This is Chapter 12 of Mark Twain, His Life and Work, a biographical sketch by William M. Clemens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Gems from Mark Twain. Read by John Greenman. Collected from his published works, fugitive sketches, lectures, speeches, and correspondence. Be virtuous, and you will be eccentric. The train is profusely decorated with tunnels. A tortoise-shell cat having a fit in a platter of tomatoes. Figures stew out of me just as natural as the otter of roses out of the otter. There is no bird or cow or anything that uses as good grammar as a blue jay. I wouldn't give a cent to hear Ingersoll on Moses, but I'd give ten dollars to hear Moses on Ingersoll. One could see the dress creeping along the floor some time after the woman was gone. When the musing spider steps onto the red-hot shovel, he first exhibits wild surprise, then he shrivels. I left my rheumatism there. Baden-Baden is welcome to it. It was little, but it was all I had to give. I should have liked to leave something more catching, but it was not in my power. I tried him with mild jokes, then with severe ones. I dosed him with bad jokes, and riddled him with good ones. I fired old stale jokes into him and peppered him fore and aft with red-hot ones. I warmed up to my work and assaulted him on the right and left, in front and behind. I fumed and charged and ranted till I was sick and frantic and furious but I never moved him once. I never started a smile or a tear, never a ghost of a smile, and never a suspicion of moisture. He was deaf and dumb and blind as a badger. He was deeply and sincerely pious and swore like a fishwoman. He was frescoed from head to heel with pictures and mottoes tattooed in red and blue India ink. There was no hackmen, hacks, or omnibuses on the pier. I said it was like being in heaven. Palestine sits in sack cloth and ashes, 
over it broods the spell of a curse that has withered its fields and fettered its energies formerly to be a californian was to be a speculator a man could not help it one man tried to be otherwise but he was only kicking against fate while everybody was wild with a spirit of speculation and full of plans for making sudden fortunes he said he would farm along quietly and slowly gain a modest competence and so be happy but his first crop of onions happened to be about the only onions produced that year he sold it for a hundred thousand dollars and retired a small company but small companies are pleasantest he was full of blessed egotism and placid self-importance but he didn't know as much as a three m quad a cat that eat up an entire box of sidelitz powders and then hadn't any more judgment than to go and take a drink it is the nature of woman to ask trivial irrelevant and pursuing questions questions that pursue you from a beginning in nothing to a run to cover in nowhere we walked out into the grass-grown fragment-strewn court beyond the parthenon it startled us every now and then to see a stony white face stare suddenly up at us out of the grass with its dead the place seemed alive with ghosts i half expected to see the athenian heroes of twenty centuries ago glide out of the shadows and steal into the old temple they knew so well and regarded with such boundless pride at sea now came the resurrection hour the births gave up their dead these pale specters in plug hats file up the companionway age enlarges and enriches the powers of some musical instruments notably those of the violin but it seems to set a piano's teeth on edge i am a yankee of the yankees a practical man nearly barren of sentiment or poetry in other words my father was a blacksmith 
my uncle was a horse doctor and i was both he found that the education of the nineteenth century is plenty good enough capital to go into business in the sixth century with and the next year he was running the kingdom all by himself on a moderate royalty of forty per cent there didn't seem to be brains enough in the entire nursery to bait a fish hook but you didn't mind that after a little while for you saw that brains were not needed in a society like that and would have marred its symmetry and spoiled it this vile bit of human rubbish chambermaids are dead to every human instinct a forlorn dog with bowed head and tail withdrawn from service when a man has been fifty years at sea he is only a gray and bearded child he was a man with a hair lip and a pure heart and everybody said he was true as steel to the indian soap and education are not as sudden as a massacre but they are more deadly in the long run they appointed me clerk of the committee on conchology and then allowed me no amanuensis to play billiards with if there was a horse race you'd find him flush or you'd find him busted at the end of it if there was a dog fight he'd bet on it if there was a cat fight he'd bet on it if there was a chicken fight he'd bet on it why if there were two birds sitting on a fence he would bet you which one would fly first if i had another cold in the head and there was no course left me but to take either an earthquake or a quart of warm salt water i would take my chances on the earthquake ah to think of it only to think of it the poor old faithful creature for she was so faithful would you believe it she had been a servant in that self-same house and that self-same family for twenty-seven years come christmas and never a cross word and never a lick and oh to think she should meet such a death at last a sitting over the red-hot stove at three o'clock in the morning and went to sleep and fell on it 
and was actually roasted. Not just frizzled up a bit, but literally roasted to a crisp. Poor faithful creature, how she was cooked. I am but a poor woman, but even if I have to scrimp to do it, I will put up a tombstone over that lone sufferer's grave, and Mr. Riley, if you would have the goodness to think up a little epitaph to put on it, which would sort of describe the awful way in which she met her, put it well done, good and faithful servant, said Riley and never smiled. The less a man knows, the bigger noise he makes, and the higher salary he commands. Who can join in the heartless libel that says woman is extravagant in dress, when he can look back and call to mind our simple and lowly mother eve arrayed in her modification of the highland costume he buys the original pig for a dollar and a half and feeds him forty dollars worth of corn and then sells him for about nine dollars this is the only crop he ever makes any money on. He loses on the corn, but he makes seven and a half on the hog. He stood bewildered a moment, with a sense of goneness on him, like one who finds himself suddenly overboard upon a midnight sea and beholds the ship pass into shrouding gloom while the dreadful conviction falls upon his soul that he has not been missed just a hunk of brains that's what he was he will eat a man he will eat a bible he will eat anything between a man and a bible he wrote with impressive flatulence and soaring confidence upon the vastest subjects but puffing alms gifts of wedding cake salty ice cream abnormal watermelons and sweet potatoes the size of your leg was his best hold tom appeared on the sidewalk with a bucket of whitewash and a long-handled brush he surveyed the fence and all gladness left him and a deep melancholy settled down upon his spirit thirty yards of board fence nine feet high life to him seemed hollow and existence 
but a burden. Sighing, he dipped his brush and passed it along the topmost plank, repeated the operation, did it again, compared the insignificant whitewashed streak with the far-reaching continent of unwhitewashed fence, and sat down on the tree-box discouraged. It was just like a new author. They always think that they know more than anybody else when they are getting out their first book. For weeks she nursed her grief in silence, while the roses faded from her cheeks, and through it all she clung to the hope that some day the old love would bloom again in Reginald's heart, and he would write to her. But the long summer days dragged wearily along, and still no letter came. The newspapers teemed with stories of battle and carnage, and eagerly she read them, but always with the same result. The tears welled up and blurred the closing lines. The name she sought was looked for in vain, and the dull aching returned to her sinking heart. Letters to the other girls sometimes contained brief mention of him, and presented always the picture of him, a morose, unsmiling, desperate man, always in the thickest of the fight, begrimed with powder, and moving calm and unscathed through tempests of shot and shell, as if he bore a charmed life. A cross between a tired mud-turtle and a crippled hearse-horse. He means well, but art is folly to him. He only understands groceries. His strawberries would be a comfortable success if the robins would eat turnips, but they won't, and hence the difficulty. Having forgotten to mention it sooner, I will remark, in conclusion, that the ages of the Siamese twins are respectively fifty-one and fifty-three years. I found the brave fellow in a profound French calm. I say French calm because French calmness and English calmness have points of difference. He was moving swiftly back and forth among the debris of his furniture, now and then staving chance fragments of it across the room with his foot, grinding 
a constant grist of curses through his set teeth, and halting every little while to deposit another handful of his hair on the pile which he had been building of it on the table. The place is as dark as the inside of an infidel. She was a perfect polyglot once, but somehow her palate got down. And so saying, he turned his face to the wall and gave up the ghost. We write frankly and fearlessly, but then we modify before we print. Oh, I know him, a sallow-faced, red-headed fellow, with a little scar on the side of his throat, like a splinter under the flesh. A woman who could face the devil himself, or a mouse, loses her grip and goes all to pieces in front of a flash of lightning. He was a man of middle size and compact frame, and when he was thinking deeply, he had a way of knitting his brows and tapping his forehead reflectively with his finger, which impressed you at once with the conviction that you stood in the presence of a person of no common order. The poem is smooth and blubbery. It reads like buttermilk gurgling from a jug. A sincere compliment is always grateful to a young lady, so long as you don't try to knock her down with it. Cain is branded a murderer so heartlessly and unanimously in America only because he was neither a Democrat nor a Republican. A long, cadaverous creature with lanky locks hanging down to his shoulders and a week's stubble bristling from the hills and valleys of his face. Epitaphs are cheap, and they do a poor chap a world of good after he is dead, especially if he had hard luck while he was alive. I wish they were used more. I do not know how it came about exactly, but gradually we appeared to melt down and run together, conversationally speaking, and then everything went along as comfortably as clockwork. Your conscience is a nuisance. A conscience is like a child. If you pet it and play with it and let it have everything it wants, it becomes spoiled and intrudes on all of your amusements and 
most of your griefs treat your conscience as you would treat anything else when it is rebellious spank it be severe with it argue with it prevent it from coming to play with you at all hours and you will secure a good conscience that is to say a properly trained one a spoiled conscience simply destroys all the pleasure in life i think i have reduced mine to order at least i haven't heard from it for some time perhaps i've killed it through over-severity it's wrong to kill a child but in spite of all i have said a conscience differs from a child in many ways perhaps it is best when it is dead end of chapter twelve and end of mark twain his life and work a biographical sketch by william m clemens read by john greenman